today? I'm good. Um, I have a question for you that's really not at all important about life. Oh. Um, why is the expression hot as balls? I don't understand the metaphor there. I assumed that it was referring to testicles. Well, yeah. Which, I don't know if they're hot, but they do seem to be sweaty at all times, the way that men talk about them. I mean, but do you feel like that's true? That they're hot? Or, like, sweaty all the time. I mean, they're pretty stinky unless the guy washes them, so that seems to imply that. And, I mean... You know, it's little pockets of skin here and there, inside trousers. I can see them being sweaty. Although, no less sweaty than a fucking boob crack in summer. Oh my god. Oh yeah, boob creases. Oh, Jesus. It is just so unpleasant this... in there. Just damp and... Ugh. This might... Hot as a boob crack, you might <laughs> want to start saying. This might be one for our social media. So, yeah. Someone, Let's make this happen. Someone, please explain hot as balls. <laughs> well, you see, it comes from ancient Elizabethan courts. That actually, I would believe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Emily, and I'm Jennifer, and I'm responsible for the beginning of this conversation that is really terrible. Uh, yep, and. Other than strange beginnings, we talk about things that scare us and are gross and weird and all the things that are terrifying. And at least poop. We Once. Once a podcast, we talk about poop. <sighs> I'm not going to do it this time. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stay strong and we're going to get through an episode without that topic. I I am willing to wager. Your whole topic is like... <laughs> terrible poop stories or something, isn't it? <laughs> it's just about poop. <laughs> no. It's just... Oh, God. I'm willing to wager one surprise package that you will end up talking about poop. I will take that bet. I, I'm not gonna crack. I'm not gonna crack. <laughs> All right, but are you gonna... Uh, are you gonna boob crack? Uh, God, you know what? It's snowing here, so if it suddenly became as hot as a boob crack, well... Satan would have appeared in my living room, apparently. <laughs> he's like, because this, I imagine he appears in like this poof of smoke, and then he's just like, I really like that new expression. He said, you know what, um, Satan sounds- He sounds a little bit like Batman. <laughs> I was gonna say, he sounds like a blend of like, Batman, but then also someone's like, great Aunt Thelma, who's been smoking her whole life. <laughs> Listen, dog. <laughs> And, and somehow she still... If he doesn't call you back within a week, you'll just burn his house down. <laughs> Thanks, Aunt Thelma. No, also... Go, go get me a vodka. <laughs> and somehow, Great Aunt Thelma always still smells like the overpowering cheap perfume, despite the fact that she's constantly downing vodka and she's chain-smoking. Yeah, and she is, like, always a little bit drunk, but never, like, sloppy drunk. But... I love her. You're always you're you're always glad when she's at the family events because, you know, she keeps it real about the family. Yeah. And then on top of that, like, if you have your, um, if you're with someone who's kind of douchey, 
you know, she'll just put them right in their place. We all need to both have and be a green anthoma. That's my that's my life goal, actually. I agree. Uh, although hopefully not talking like her because it kind of hurts my throat. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it though. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Emily, Aunt Thelma, do you yeah. have a story to tell me? I do. So uh, I opened the season talking about a fairly unpopular historical figure, uh, Marie Antoinette, and how the things that were done to her and how she was remembered is really not fair and very terrifying. Uh, This is the episode where Meat Puppets comes from. (laughs) If you haven't listened to it, it's just a thrill ride. Um, (laughs) Puppetry will never be the same in your heart after you listen to that and picture what we're picturing. And there's probably poop in that episode, too. Uh, now, it's, it's, do not bait me. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, sure. Okay. Continue. So anyway, about partway through the season, I thought, well, we opened with this thing about the French aristocracy. Wouldn't it be cool to close the season by talking about a peasant's life during this era and how awful that was? Like, at least Marie Antoinette wasn't starving to death. Uh, unlike, you know, let's face it, Jennifer, in the past, you and I, we would be peasants. We're not fancy. We'd be wearing our clogs and eating our baguettes and whatever they do in Les Miserables. That'd be us selling our hair. I don't know. So I wanted to do something like that uh, for this episode. But as it turns out, the French Revolution is weird as hell. It lasts forever and it's really complicated. So figuring out like, why did anybody do anything? And what is a peasant's life like is basically impossible. Like, So I can't really do that plan. So really today my topic is basically what the hell French Revolution. It is so weird. You are so weird. It lasted at least 10 years. First of all, let's think about that. So I I just wonder like how weird on a scale, like give me a weirdness scale. Okay, well, let's start off with when you think of the French Revolution, what do you think of? Like, what is the story of the French Revolution? People didn't like being hungry and having shitty lives, so they got out their pitchforks and murdered the aristocracy. Yeah, that that seems pretty standard. Um, And I would say on a scale of totally boring and mundane to like, I don't know, cats free floating through space. Eating cheeseburgers. Eating cheeseburgers, you know, a 10 of strangeness. That story is like a, a four, right? Like it would be very exciting in a bad way if it happened, but it wouldn't be, like, the craziest. You'd be like, makes kind of sense. I think in reality, the French Revolution was really more like a seven or an eight. Like, it's just fucking nuts. I've been listening to this podcast where he, like, breaks it down and he's this historian, but, like, almost every episode he says something like, well, this is pure chaos, or, like, he doesn't say ironically, but he is describing something that is ironic, or, like, all of the people who were, like, leaders in the French Revolution ended up, like, turning around and getting beheaded or whatever. It's just crazy. It It is a situation that makes no sense. And is just, it's just weird. So, are you ready? I hope so. Okay, so basically, this is how I have structured this grab bag of chaotic nonsense. Basically, what happened, just so we have an idea, shit that happened in Paris... And shit that happened elsewhere, and then, like, lingering effects. So, that's what we're gonna do. 
1789 to 1799, 10-ish years, we can agree this is like a whole decade of people just being like, what's happening? So I think in the Marie Antoinette episode, I talked about how the country is basically broke, right? They have for a long time. And so when Louis is king, the last Louis, he has a counselor, and I can't remember his name, but his counselor's like, listen, I have a whole plan for how to fix this shit. Just let me do it. And everybody, Louis like, okay, cool. And everyone else is like, grumble, grumble, but we can't do anything about it. Fair enough. So, yeah, they're like, well, he's the king. My wig is very heavy. Sure, take this off. (laughs) So as part of this plan, this counselor publishes the royal ledger, which is, listen, if you need any further proof that the past was boring and stinky, uh, here's this was like the bestseller. It was super popular. Everybody's reading what the government spends money on. Like, I don't know. It sounds boring, but okay. That's like basically reading everybody's like tax returns, maybe? Yeah, or like the government's budget. Ugh. Yeah, but also like maybe the White House's budget too. Oh, that just, that would just make me angry. They get too much money. Yeah. They waste too much and money. You- <laughs> I mean, listen, I feel like I was an adult when I found out that they have, like, a fancy gourmet kitchen that's available 24-7, so you could, like, call the kitchen and be like, make me a shamrock milkshake from scratch, or whatever strange concoction you want, they would do it. And I don't know how every White House child is not 500 pounds, because that's what I would do as a child. Um, (laughs) Would you only ever get milkshakes forever? I would just call and request increasingly strange items to see if they could make it. So you basically, you'd be an asshole. Way to go, Emily. I just, not on purpose. I just, yeah, I can't handle that kind of power, I guess. <laughs> uh, we found my limitations. It's like in Lord of the Rings when Aragorn is like, no, Frodo, I would never take the ring from you. I'm like, mm, I'm being tempted by the ring right now, and I failed the test. I would totally take that ring. here in this situation. Yeah, if the ring is an endless kitchen on call 24 hours. It's over. I've been corrupted by the power. (laughs) So anyways, everyone's reading um, boring stuff and ordering fancy gourmet meals from the White House kitchen because that's how history in science works. Exactly. And this is all great and good. And everyone's like, wow, we like this uh, counselor and he's this transparency cool but there's a problem the problem is that this ledger was fake the counselor made up this fake one that made the problem seem nowhere near as big because he was just like i need to get people on my side and this is how i'm gonna do it and they were on his side but then when he's like yeah so i need to tax them they're like what are you fucking talking about i read the ledger we're great and then later people found out that he made a fake one and they were like get out of here you turd nugget you, you just mentioned pooped. Poop. No, yes, that doesn't you did. count. You called someone a oh. turd nugget. I mean, damn it. I don't think that counts. That's not talking about poop. That's just name calling. You know what? That, that's fine. I'm going to go ahead and start making a tally here. So just so you know, there's a piece of paper in front of me and I'm writing it. Emily. Go ahead. Em- it's it's zero. Zero for Emily. Let's see. Emily, turd nugget. D- just name calling, not referencing poops. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Please continue, turd nugget. All right. So we've also talked about the motherfucking Sun King. Yes. Who is cool. And is also a rapper. Yep. He is the rapper of 
quasi-ancient France, <laughs> 1700 France. I don't know what era word I'm looking for, so we'll just stick with quasi-ancient. <laughs> we'll go for it. Middle-aged, middle-aged France. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> I think I said in that episode, too, that as a as a child, there was a little revolt and it scared him. So he was like, all the government powers are mine, which worked when he was a Sun King. But now that we have the last Louis, he's like a wishy-washy dude. And he's surrounded by nobles who used to have a lot of power. And then there are people who bought their way into high statuses. This is like, you know, the, the new rich that people always like to poo-poo on. Oh, hold on. Uh, poo-poo on. That is not a... Poo-poo is like poo-poo. Ugh, get out of here. That is not a poop reference. But also, are are you describing France right now? Are you describing, like, basically every baby boomer that is also a Republican and and is in (laughs) politics? I'm not really sure what... It's it's really upsettingly similar. (laughs) Basically, the whole French Revolution, though, honestly, is, like, people being snobs to other people it's just further proof that all of history is mean girls and and frat boys and frat boys yes and something else which shall not be named so we have those two groups of people and then we have the third estate which is like elected people who mostly are noble i think they're kind of like a house of representatives but they are only called for certain special things and they haven't been called in like a hundred years And all of these groups of people are angry that they don't have power. And so this is all happening. So in addition to having genuine complaints like the government is broke and people are starving, probably, they all these people just want more power. So through the course of trying to fix the economy, they call the third estate who has this slogan, which sounds really cool, double the third and vote by head, which means that They should have twice as many people and they should vote. Each person gets a vote, not how senior you are. It's a cool slogan, but uh, I think I would update it to double my bread and chop off heads. I was going to say, was that at all like a euphemism for the guillotine? So, (laughs) Not yet, but double my bread, chop off heads. If you need to, you know, come up with an advertising slogan for the French Revolution, I trademark that one. Ad agencies, call me. Give me some money. (laughs) Anyway, at the same time, there's revolts by peasants, and there were lots of popular protests and uprisings. And the peasants were pissed off about one of the things that they did was make price ceilings because everybody's, like, starving, and they're like, listen, I eat, like, 20 pounds of bread a day. It's literally the only food I have because I'm a damn peasant and I, like, live in this field, and it's too expensive. And so the government's like, okay, well, we're going to put you know, a limit, it can't be more expensive than, you know, I don't know, three quasi-ancient French dollars. And then the farmers are like, what the heck? We grew all this wheat and we have to sell it. And then you sell the bread for this and we're not making enough money. So as it turns out, that that was not a good strategy and people were pissed. But at the same time, so we have these politician types jockeying for power. We have peasants who are like, Please, sir, I want some more. Uh, But then there's also a ton of educated lawyers and whatnot being like, let's talk philosophy because it's like the Enlightenment, um, which is wild. The Enlightenment is like people saying, hey, have you heard about this science thing, young chap? Because that's how they talk in quasi-ancient France. Yep. It's also like 1920s 
movies. Yeah, and then the other part of the Enlightenment is like, what if humans are not like just God's little puppets, but maybe we could make things better and we can improve the world around us. It's like the Enlightenment is like the personification of Instagram inspiration posts, but if it was real. <laughs> like, if you can dream it, you can be it. And then all these French people are like, all right, cool. I really hope that they like cross-stitched that on stuff and handed it out to each other. If you dream it, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like, in the next month when that uh, attitude is not cool anymore, some guy's holding it and some other guy runs up to him and goes, how dare you? And just, like, stabs the pillow and this him at the same time yeah he he's like the one guy that has like the enlightenment has failed us like stitched onto his shirt as he's going to attack the guy with the cross stitching i would wear a shirt that says the enlightenment has failed us <laughs> <laughs> uh sacre bleu um <laughs> so all of this is just tons of like cultural changes and how people are thinking and the American revolution just ended, which France helped finance. So it's just a really crazy, exciting time. Um, and in addition to all of that, we're just getting waves of ideologues and politicians who are acting out. They want these grand schemes, this grand ideology, and then they're trying to consolidate their power. If you're just a regular person, like past versions of you and me, I, we don't have enough teeth. I. It seems really doubtful that we can read. And we're just like... We smell worse than anyone else around us. We smell absolutely terrible. We have to work all the time except Sunday when we go to church where people tell us we're going to die. And we're just like, tell me who I'm supposed to be loyal to. I just don't give a shit. Uh, I've had 12 children. It's so... <laughs> My vagina is very this, tired right now. <laughs> yeah, every part of my body does not care about the motherland of France. So this is just uh, insane. Uh, also, so on top of like when they are trying to get rid of the king and people are trying to get power and peasants are trying to get bread, inflation just goes through the roof. Um, they have a couple poor winters where it's really really cold like you hear descriptions of like rivers freezing which is insane i've have you ever seen a frozen river um it has to get really cold because it can get below zero and rivers don't freeze because it's moving i mean i have seen frozen bodies of water but it has been exceptionally cold yeah i mean i've seen frozen like ponds and stuff but i I, uh, I have family in Idaho. When I was growing up, we used to go there for Thanksgiving, um, and we would drive over the Snake River, which is, you know, if you are an outdoors person, it's like a big hiking, camping, rafting river. Don't get lost. Do not get lost. Tell people where you're going. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, I saw, like, ice flows in it, but I've never seen it frozen solid. But anyway, so... If you have a poor winter, you know, that's going to affect your food supply. Also, and I'm not going to talk about this too much, but it is insane. So while the French Revolution is going on, one of the ways that people got, which is just a real mindfuck, but people are like, oh, Europe is going to think we're weak and we're going to attack them. So we should attack them first. So while they are like overthrowing the government, building a new government from scratch, doing wacky things that revolutions do, like start a new calendar, start a new church. They're also fighting 
wars on all their borders. Just doing too many things, France. We're too many things. France? Okay, so is this something where the French were like, we need more hobbies, and they're like, oh, we have a lot of hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, listen, as someone who has a lot of hobbies, all grandma hobbies, the temptation to also begin weaving or soap making or whatever terrible, like, tchotchke making thing is very real. I resist it. Most of the time. France absolutely does not. France does it all. France France has a whole room full of crafts. But, and a shed. And a garden. And their house is still a mess. And strangely enough, France has not sent me, sent me any knitted socks. Yes, France did. They were crocheted no, that, last year. No, that was you. You were not France. <laughs> Damn. Uh, well... That's true. Fuck you, France. Yeah, where are my Give us some slippers? Where are my socks at? <laughs> yeah, where are my socks at, France? Hashtag. All right. So this is just some stuff. Now here is some really terrifying shit that happens in Paris, and Paris is where a lot of like, it's where all the like high thinking philosophers are. It's where the government is. It's where a lot of stuff is happening. It's it's the cool club for the revolution. So in 1792, uh, I'm going to talk about the uh, riot, I guess you would say, at the Tuileries Garden. And this was at the point where the king wasn't in power anymore. And the government, like, I think it was called the, um, was it a committee? Uh, The National Assembly or something. I don't know. So they had come up with a constitution. They had been sort of going back and forth with the king, and he had decided to sign it. And now the question is kind of like, what are we going to do with him? And let's get this crack And most people, like, the French Revolution started off pretty moderate, where people were just like, look, we got to get a government that functions. And we all agree, and so let's do that, and let's make it more representative. And people are like, okay, cool. And then you get a couple people who are just like, but what if we were insane? Uh, and one of those people is named George Danton. And so at this point where most, most people are trying to be reasonable and they're aiming for something like what Britain has now, like they have a king, but he mostly just hangs out. But George Danton is like, I want no king at all. Everything is fucked up. Let's burn it down. And he gets this group of peasants to be like, you're right. We are angry. And <laughs> well, that's easy enough this- because like their vaginas are tired and they smell really bad. They're like, I'm tired. I want more bread. It's like me if I am hungover. I'm like, I'm not gonna shower even though I should. I just want to eat bread and I am pissed off for no reason. Actually, right? I think it is very important for our listeners to know that your hangriness is real. I've witnessed it yeah. on multiple occasions. <laughs> One time, my brother and I were we were gonna go eat, and we were walking to the restaurant, and I was so hungry. And there was like a band playing at my neighbor's house or something, and he's like, "Oh, let's check this out." And like, I did not even stop walking. I just turned around and looked at him, and I said, "If we do not go directly to the restaurant, I will break your arm in half." <laughs> 
And I don't really remember making the threat that specific, but I do remember the surge of rage where I was like, if you do not feed me, I don't care what happens to you. So basically, Emily was the peasantry in this situation, just to make sure everybody understands. And uh, yes, except I do have more than two teeth. Yes, can can confirm that. Can confirm, yes. So they they show up to the Tuileries, which is where the royal family is living. And there are like 600 Swiss guards there, you know, being bodyguards. And they are like, they don't give a shit about anything. They're not even French. They just are like freelancers. They got hired, right? Um, And these are the guys that are in the Vatican, you know? They have like the stripy outfits and the little beret this is the swiss guards fancy they had little fancy outfits yeah yeah you know what i mean anyway so they are like they're they're freelancers they're just picking up some extra money they don't give a shit about anything they're just like all right peasants you know you can't come in like hey do you need me to call you an uber but you know you can't come into this club you're too drunk uh and you're yelling you can't come in if you're gonna yell at people and the mob basically i think it turns into kind of like a mosh pit like you know when you're at a concert and suddenly everybody's shoving and they're shoving like forward and you're like why like where are you going like (laughs) nobody's going anywhere why are we all shoving each other why don't we just stop that and hold still right because that would be logical people don't operate by logic No, and so the angry mob is, like, shoving and moshing, and they start pushing the guards, and the guards are like, get the fuck back! And so it's a little unsure if they fired above the crowd's head or if they actually fired on them, but what the crowd thinks is that they're just there protesting and these guards started killing them, and they're like, we're just throwing rocks at your head, why do you give a shit? And then... (laughs) This is totally normal. Yeah, and then all hell breaks loose. So there's 600 Swiss guards, and they kill, I think, all of them. And they, like, they hack them to death with, like, pikes and knives. They just are butchering these poor guards who are like, oh, I was just trying, this is my side hustle. Um, <laughs> they they hunted they hunted the the guards and the royal family who were hiding in this little passage. And it is, I think, kind of one of those, like, what-ifs of history of, like, if they had found the royal family then, would that have changed anything? But so this is, like, famously one of the big moments for the um, French Revolution where they're like, oh, well, now it's murder time. <sighs> big, I mean, that's a natural escalation when it comes to any revolution, just... Mob murders of everything. Murder time. And then we move into, of course, the reign of terror, which is what the French Revolution is really famous for. And the thing that's interesting about the reign of terror is that there are actually different waves of it, which again, that's the French Revolution is all about that. There's the Great Terror, and then there's one after it that I think was called the White Terror, which <laughs> had some like reason, which I don't remember because everything is insane. And so... The Reign of Terror was sort of helmed by the Committee of Public Safety, which is such a creepy fucking name. For real. <laughs> um, it's it's such a bureaucratic, boring-sounding name. Like, the DMV, the Division of Motor Vehicles, the Committee of Public Safety. Like, it feels like that, but 
it was basically like a small group of people who became like a dictatorship and were like, we can do whatever we want. So it it's straight from a Norwell novel is what you're saying. It is 100%. There is nothing from the French Revolution that doesn't sound like it was invented by George Orwell or Franz Kafka. Like, it's just... <laughs> Like, what does this even mean, you guys? At, at some point, people are turning into large bugs and contemplating the meeting of both their lives and their malehood. Just remember this when we get to the Incroyables, okay? Just remember that. <laughs> Noted. Uh, um, so they were really paranoid about losing control, and there was this big um, push of, like, you're a anti-revolutionary. You're, you know, disloyal to the revolution. And so they would arrest those people and then subject them to, if you know the comedian Eddie Izzard and his cake or death, you basically, you're, you had two choices when you were being quote unquote tried, acquittal or death. Like there's nothing in between. <laughs> so that's basically the, the great terror. And the great terror is two months and June 1793, I think. Oops, I didn't write that down. But it's in like June and July, and it's um, about 10% of all the deaths that are attributed to the French Revolution happened in those two months. Um, the reign of the reign of terror over all this sort of arresting people for being spies or whatever. At least 300,000 were arrested, 17,000 are officially executed, and they think probably 10,000 more died. In one year, there were almost 17,000 official death sentences. I just said that. Um, and of that, 2,639 were in Paris. And how do you think that they killed these people? Um, in a very humane fashion. Of course. They chopped their heads off. <laughs> the guillotine, they called Madame la guillotine. Because, again, why? I don't know. Everything is weird as hell. And that's the name we're going to call people. Um because they also came up with meat puppets at the time, so... Yeah, exactly. This is just... I think we talked about this. Like, they're just bored, and they're... <laughs> nothing else ...constantly in pain, and they smell bad, and they're hungry, and everyone's angry. There was... So one of the things, like, as the Reign of Terror sort of winds down, there's this story that... Because all of the executions were public, like, that was a pastime. And at the end of the Reign of Terror... They had, like, a little kid up there who was arrested for, like, stealing bread or something, like, like, legitimately. And the crowd started yelling, no more kids, because they were just like, come on, it's no fun if you're chopping kids' heads off. But, well, so that's just (laughs) the, the sign of the times that we're in, that they were like, we've seen enough children murdered. They don't, they don't have the good arterial spurt that we want. So anyway. I mean, to be fair, that's important. You know, if this is the entertainment that you're going to get for the day, they they need to make it good. It's the equivalent of don't cheap out on the CGI that people say about movies now, right? So the guillotine was originally meant to be humane because I guess beheading someone like with a sword takes a lot of precision. Uh, it's a craft, if you will. And also it's equalizing. So before the guillotine, as we said last week, rules are for peasants and hanging was also for peasants, and then only the nobility got beheaded, um, which is, I guess, as long as you do it right, um, you have a real hipster craft, free-range, locally sourced executioner. It's much faster. (laughs) 
This is my artisanal rope that I made by hand. It's going to, you know, work with this pulley system and it helps with the precision of the blade as it's coming down upon your neck. Exactly. So the guillotine was introduced for those reasons. Another thing that they used to call getting your head chopped off, again, what is happening here? This is just fucking chaos. A national shave. What? Or they would call it a shave with a national razor. Oh, the French. They are so funny. (laughs) The other thing, one other little tidbit about creepy ass shit that happened in Paris. So Robespierre, Maximilien Robespierre is this really famous guy. And he was around for a lot of this stuff. And I didn't read too much about this, but I hope that there's like a biography of him that goes into it. But for a long time, he was very rational. Like he was sort of middle of the road he does feel a little like he had a stick up his ass the whole time like he's kind of one of those guys who's i realize this will get me to lose the bet but you know he thinks his shit don't stink oh my god i gave in i gave in i couldn't think of a better comparison but he's he's kind of like moderate and he feels like a modern thinker like he doesn't fly off the handle a lot and then right before this reign of terror happens he has, I think, probably some sort of breakdown or he, like, disappeared from public life for, like, a month or two and he just had some illness. I don't know what it was. Um, and then when he came back, he was, like, super paranoid, super bloodthirsty. Like, it really does feel like he was under some sort of stress and just, like, something snapped in his brain. So he sort of helmed the reign of terror. And when... It started turning against him. Him and some of the other people in his little clique were in this uh, hotel and the mob was like coming for them. They're like, you're going to be arrested. We don't fuck you. And he's in there and this guy has two pistols and he's like, all right, well, the mob is going to come and like beat us up and then chop our heads off. Let's kill ourselves instead. And so this guy like shoots himself with a pistol Robespierre is like, okay, I'm going to do that too, but I don't really know how to work a gun. So he tries to shoot himself and just blows his jaw off. Like half of it. Yeah. And so he watches his friend die. He botches his own suicide and then the mob bursts in and takes him to jail, which is again, a really unsanitary, terrible place. He has a sham trial He has this, like, bandage wrapped around his head to, like, keep the bottom part of his face from, like, literally just dangling. And he goes up to be executed, and the executioner rips the bandage off, which I imagine hurt very bad and was really gross. And the crowd cheered, and then his head got chopped off. So that's a deeply terrifying story that now you know. (sighs) Listen, Paris, city of love. <laughs> I was going to say, like, you know, people are just really not nice to each other in uh, previous eras. Oh, wait. Well, I guess now, too. But <laughs> I at mean, least we're not ripped, ripping bandages off of each other's faces. Yeah, it really does kind of make you appreciate, like, Joe Lieberman and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. Is that her name? Like basically calling each other buttheads. It really, it feels, it makes me feel warm and happy that that is what is happening as opposed to like 
stabbing people, like hacking people to death with kitchen knives and then cheering when their bandages get pulled off of their bloody face. It's, I mean, wow. Well, just so you know, if we <laughs> live during the French Revolution and I got trapped in a hotel r- room or whatever with you and we're running away from the mob, I, I would help you commit suicide so that you didn't have like a half of your face falling off. Jennifer, thank you. You, tr- you are a true friend. I I try. Oh, also, speaking of that trapped in a hotel, two of the other people who were trapped in there, and I should know their names because they're quite influential, but I don't. But they tried to climb out windows, but they, like, fell from, like, multiple stories. And one guy, like, fell and, like, broke his legs and, like, couldn't move and was just, like, screaming in agony on the ground. And that's how they found – the mob found him right away. And then the other guy fell – and hurt himself, but didn't get found for a couple hours or maybe even a day because he was in like a pit of sewage. And that's why they didn't find him right away. Oh God, no. Yeah. So that's a really gross, terrifying story. What do you think was in the sewage, Emily? Listen, I've already lost. I said this shit (laughs) don't stink, but instead it was, it was the diarrhea of cholera. There's probably like a pig poop in there. For some reason, uh, when I lived in Louisiana, I used to walk to the campus that I worked at and I walked over this like drainage canal, which if you live in an area that gets a lot of precipitation or I don't know, is just wet, there's like these canals in the city where water, when it falls, you know, can go through and go to wherever it goes. I don't really understand. But anyway, um, and that thing, I had to walk over this little bridge and it was so gross. Like I used to keep a list of all the things that I saw floating in there because it was just always trash. And I saw a bicycle, a basketball, TVs, like literal bags of trash, just so much gross shit. And one time there was a dead dog floating in there and I was like, well, this is dangerous. Like, we can't have things just, like, decaying in the middle of a neighborhood. And I called the city animal control. And this is a really long aside. And I was like, hey, there's, like, a dead animal in the drainage canal. Someone needs to come get this. And um, the woman was like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Animal control doesn't, like, we don't have jurisdiction over the drainage canals. And I was like, well, who do I need to call then? And she was like, I don't know. And I was like, well, so what's going to happen? Is it just going to rot there, like, in the middle of a neighborhood where there are children? And she's like, well, I don't know what's going to happen to it. And I was like, I do. That's what's going to happen to it. But anyway, so I'm... You collect the dead animal, and then you deliver it to their doorstep. I, yeah, so this is what I basically picture this sewage canal, except poop. In addition to rainwater and all this other debris. And there's probably, like, something to the effect of, like... Because didn't they, like... I don't know what their disposal system was, but there was probably all kinds of, Probably just, like, throw it out in the street. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's probably, like, weird medical stuff in there. Like, maybe he fell on one of those, like, ancient long stabby needle things. I don't know. Oh, yeah, like bloody bandages and shit. Bloody, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. And that alone is horrifying. Again, all of this happened in Paris, city of love. (laughs) And a lot of times when you read about the 
French Revolution, they do focus on Paris. But I also wanted to have shit that happens elsewhere because the really, really terrifying things happened outside of Paris. One of the things that they wanted to do as part of the French Revolution was get rid of the church. In this era, we say the church, we mean the Catholic church, and we also mean that they are super wealthy, super powerful. They also have cool outfits. They all, they still have cool outfits. And so one of the things that they made the priests, all the priests do was like basically sign a loyalty oath to the government and say that, you know, you are a Frenchman before you are a priest. You're loyal to us, not the Pope. And most of them signed it, but some of them didn't. And then as this went on, um, Robespierre really wanted this idea of like the National Church of Virtue um, instead of the Catholic Church. And there became this process of de-Christianization. And one guy who did this was Jacques Hébert. I did write his name down. But he was really big on like, you know, steal all the things out of the church. Nobody's Catholic anymore. Blah, 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 blah. Well, that's rude. I mean, again, they're peasants. Let them have their Sunday off in church. Like, they don't have anything else in their life. And and maybe they like going into the place that smells nice and has fancy outfits. Right. And actually, as you have predicted, two areas were really pissed about this. Uh, Nantes and Lyon. And they were like, we like being Catholic. Fuck you. We are not going to do this. And they revolted. And we're like, we are going to keep our churches, you Parisian bastards. And so how do you think that they handled this? Well, they probably sent a letter and they included a gift basket. Yeah, they were like, listen, sorry about that. You're right. No, actually, they just decided to fucking kill everybody. They killed about 16,000 people. And again, if you think about the French Revolution as being like, people don't like being starving, and so they rise up and chop off the heads of the monarchy. Yeah, okay, except that of these 16,000 people, only 30% were nobles. They, they, were, they were just trying to make sure that they were thorough. They were trying to make sure what? They were thorough. They didn't want to leave yeah. one part of the aristocracy alive. And like, how, you- do we, how are we sure? Well, we just kill everybody. Just kill everybody, yeah. And if you add in the clergy of that 16,000, then still only half. So at least half were like, you know, the two-teethed peasants like you and I who just want bread. Fair. And, you know, if you've got to kill like 16,000 people, the guillotine may not be efficient enough, apparently. At one part, they lined people up next to mass graves. Like, here, stand by this giant hole. Nothing sinister will happen to you. And then they shot cannons at them. <laughs> well, I mean, it's terrible, but what? <laughs> what? See, just so much baskets, oodles of what the fuck. How is, how is that any more efficient? I don't under... Never mind. I, it's not my... As it turns out, it was not. And then people had to go finish finish off by hand. Which, I don't know if that means you have to strangle them. You have to go up and, like... Chop them. Super gross, right? It's very gross. Yep. There is another massacre in Brittany. Uh, 10,000 people died there. Um, And then there's this really creepy... So at this point, the government in Paris starts doing this thing called Representatives on Mission, which again, bureaucratic name that just becomes creepier. And basically what they did was go out into 
like it's a reverse House of Representatives, where instead of electing a representative who goes to the Capitol, they get a representative and send them to you. And that's basically what this guy was. But so this guy, Jean-Baptiste Carrier, was a real fucker. And he came up with the uh, Republic baptisms in a national bathtub. Do you want to guess what that was? I, I don't know if I want to guess. <laughs> um, they designed barges, like big old ships, and then they get out on the water, and they've got a bunch of peasants out there on the ship, right? You chain the peasants together, and then you pull a little string, and the, the boat just sinks. So everybody drowns. Hmm. That sounds vaguely familiar. It sounds like a terrible thing. Mm-hmm. They also had things that they called republic marriages where they just start getting really creepy and they would chain like they would chain a naked man and a naked woman together before they drowned them. So they're just like, that's funny, I guess. What what the fuck? <laughs> See what I mean? Outside of Paris, it's just worse. Oh my god. Like never mind. You know what I can't there's no joke for me to make here because like it's you just have to hear the story and you're like um, okay, so people are fucking crazy, and they have this weird twisted sense of humor, but then also, like, these very same people that are coming up with creative means of killing people are probably going to end up themselves being dead in some other creative means. Well, the other thing that's sad is that, like, the idea of the revolution started off being like, hey, let's make our government more representative and actually work, and maybe we don't have kings anymore. Like... That's all pretty cool, but then now you're, like, drowning peasants who are like, I've never even seen a cake, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't deserve this. So, yeah, it, it just gets out of hand, I guess is a good phrase for it. We're not even done, though. We're not even done with the worst. This is kind of, I think, the worst. There was a part of France called the Vendée, and they were really just like, I do not want Paris to ever tell me what to do. I am not going to listen to you. Also, you guys are, like, changing your plans every other month. Fuck you, just leave us alone. And Paris was like, shut up, Vendée. We're going to do what we want. And then they were sort of fighting, uprising. They had some guerrilla warfare, which we learned last week is very difficult to shut it down. But they did. And so after the Vendée's armies were beaten, Paris was like, listen, we got to do one more thing. We've got a mission. We're going to send these soldiers called Infernal Columns, and their mission was literally to exterminate everybody in the Vendée. And again, this was after they stopped fighting. So this is just revenge, and they killed twenty to 40,000 people. Mostly a lot of children and women. How many people live there? Now that, I don't know, but they killed like almost all the people that live there. Let me see if I can find that really quick. That, that is also very rude. It's super rude. <laughs> Paris is just very rude. Paris is, uh, yeah, you know, again, yes, that is the uh, stereotype of Paris, that they're rude. And it's true, but just in a really different way than you think. <laughs> <laughs> it's a special kind of rude. It is a special kind of rude. Uh, War in the Vendée, blah, 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 blah. The Vendée Rebels, blah, blah, blah. The Committee of Public Safety, blah, blah, blah. I'm never going to know this. No, that's <laughs> fine. I'm just really curious as well. 
I don't think that there were a lot of people that made it. Oh, wow. This is saying that it was actually closer to twenty to 50,000 civilians. I said twenty to 40 earlier. Let's see. It doesn't say how much. Oh, here we go. Estimates of those killed in the conflict on both sides range between 117,000 and 450,000, which whenever you have a range like that, I think it just means that it was so chaotic that they have no idea how many people they killed, which is terrifying. That's their best guess. So 117, yeah, 117,000 to 450,000 out of a population of about 800,000. So at least half. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, just imagine the manpower that it takes to do that. I mean, but the thing is, is like, you're just shooting peasants who are women and children. So you just don't need that many. Like, yeah, this is saying that 50,000 civilians were killed by the infernal columns alone. And then the others were like while fighting. But yeah, it's really bad. It's sad. God damn it, Paris. Paris, get it together. All right, and there's a lot more, and basically the now we're just kind of going into some other weird things. There, even though you can say there's like a decade of the French Revolution, there were lots of coups and unrest that basically followed until it was just kind of chaotic until Napoleon took over. In fact, a lot of how he came to prominence are the, remember I said France is fighting border wars because they have too many hobbies? Yes. Napoleon fought in those. That's how he like made a name for himself. Um, and then at the end of all of this struggle, guess what? They had a king again. <laughs> <laughs> and so and, yeah. just a really roundabout way to get at the thing that a couple people wanted in the beginning before y'all went off the handle. And things really worked out for Napoleon. So, yeah. Another really crazy terror thing that I think when I looked it up for this, they said that it was possibly not real, which makes me so sad. But after the, like, waves of terror, after the terror, they had balls de victims, which were, you had to have had a relative who had died in the Great Terror, and then you would go to this party, and people would, women would wear, like, red ribbons on their necks, like, to symbolize being uh, guillotined, and people would greet each other by, like, making faces and looking like they got their heads cut off. And I read a book that that said that this was a real thing, but in like the last handful of years, historians have thought that it might have been an invention of gothic authors like 100 or 50 years later because they don't see any contemporary references to these things, which is really sad um, because I like the idea of that, like these really fancy balls that are super gross and morbid. You know, we can have our own fancy ball that's gross and morbid. We could do that. I have a ball gown, so, you know, I can bring it out. We can have our own ball day victims, but it's just people who are really cool, and we'll give money to charity, and then we'll do, like, the red ribbons and act like French people. Sounds good. Let's do it tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow. Also, do you remember me saying that I was going to talk about Incroyables? Yes. And Marveluses, so which Wikipedia translates as fabulous divas. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Wikipedia. <laughs> but basically, this was a really, they were young people who kind of came of age during the worst parts of the uh, revolution and slightly afterwards. And they were like, 
fuck all y'all. They were super, super fancy closes. That it closes. <laughs> all the closes. I have, I have now turned into Gollum um, <laughs> because I could not resist the power of an on-call chef. They wore super fancy clothes. They acted really silly. They were really over the top and like flamboyant. And I saw the idea that these were kind of like a catharsis, but I also think it was just this idea of like, everything has been bad for so long that we're just going to be silly, which I don't know if that's a good reaction or not, but I don't think anything that happens in the French Revolution is a good reaction. So you know what? Go for it. (laughs) (laughs) At at least... At least this one, you're not, you know, creating meat puppets, chopping people's heads off, throwing cannons at them. It's, I mean, the French Revolution feels a little bit like a zombie apocalypse. Like, some people are just going to dress up and be silly, and some people are going to chop heads off and come up with even grosser ways of killing people. And everything is chaos, and most of the people just want bread. That, that, yes, in the zombie apocalypse, most people want bread and to stay away from the people doing the head chopping off and also the eating of the other people. Exactly. Also, some things that we get out of the French Revolution. This is, you know, how we say conservatives are considered... Do you have a bird in your house? No, the the puppy is playing with a squeaky toy. (laughs) Oh my god, it sounded like a parrot, and I was like, what on earth? Uh, (laughs) Sorry. That's okay, I was confused. Oh, okay, so anyway, so we say that uh, in politics, conservatives are the right and progressives are the left, right? And they even do this in Britain as well. Well, this comes from the French Revolution, because... They, one of their early forms of government was the National Assembly. And in that, you know, people just sit by the people that they liked. And I mean, it was like 300 people or something. It was huge. And the more progressive groups would sit on the left and then the more conservative ones would sit on the right. And so they call them the right and the left. And that's where that comes from. I didn't know that. That's interesting. I know. Isn't that cool? That's also where we get the word vandalism from. Please tell us more. you're like go on yeah so after one of the times when people were going crazy in paris someone wrote a column that they had destroyed paris like the vandals who were an ancient group of people who raided rome and that comparison stuck around and that's where the idea of vandalism as being destroying property comes from So what you're saying is that the French Revolution had a huge impact on contemporary society. It did. Um, Another person, there is another famous guy who really studied the French Revolution and thought the riot at the Tuileries was like the coolest thing ever. Um, And that guy was Lenin, who later instigated a revolution of his own. So yeah, the French Revolution, weird as hell, super creepy, chaos. Just frightening. It's all just constantly frightening. There's everything is. is horrific. You have two teeth, that's horrific. You don't have enough bread, that's horrific. People are making meat puppets, that's horrific. You can fall into sewage, that's horrific. You can have bandages ripped from your face, that's horrific. Your only entertainment is ha- watching other people get their heads chopped off, and that's supposed to be humane, that's horrific. I know, it is, everything about it is awful, and like, if you're a prominent person, head chopped off. If you're a peasant, head chopped off. If you're in the city, head chopped off. If you're in the countryside, head chopped off or chained to someone else and drowned. Like, it is 
just all around terrible and like chaos. Like there wasn't even a direction for a lot of it. Like there would be a direction, but it would change so fast that there's not a lot of trajectory. It's just insanity. Well, I don't envy, I don't envy anyone who lived during the French revolution. I don't either. So, um, I prepared something special. Oh. oh. Um, because this is the last episode of the season. Yes. And, um, I felt like I should, I should go back to some roots here. Oh, no. Wait, so you said go back to your roots? So our topics have aligned again. Again. Oh, my God. But. I'm sorry. My dog does this thing where he puts his head, like, on my lap and just stares at me. And he's doing it right now. And it is so unsettling. Get out of here. He's just thinking about reverse stew making. He. He's like, it's puppy stew. What about human stew? I don't know what, I just, it's, he doesn't want anything except to stare into my eyes, and it is just deeply, deeply upsetting. Anyway, um, but tell me your story and not the story of my dog being a creeper. (laughs) Well, so, I'm not going to talk about lamprey. Mm. And not going to talk about vampires. Hmm. But, um... You know, I'm a big fan of horror movies. Yeah. And you also know that I spent uh, quite a bit of my formative years in North Carolina. What you don't know is that I also was like... You really... are a lamprey. <laughs> <laughs> I am a lamprey. So that's that's it. That's my story. Bye. In season two, our podcast will be tur- will be called Turd Queen and the Lamprey. <laughs> That's her, that's her new band name. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's a reason why I bring up these two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you seen The Exorcist, Emily? Uh, yeah, I have. A long time ago. Do you remember the name of the demon in The Exorcist? Absolutely not. <laughs> the name of the demon was Pazuzu. Pazuzu? T- Pazuzu. Nice, that's fun to say. P A Z U Z U. That'd be a good Zuzu. name. Zuzu. <laughs> well, think about like, what if you had to like fuss at your pet? Be like, Pazuzu, get out of there. Get down, Pazuzu. It's eventually just going to turn into Zuzu. Yeah, that's true. So. Pazuzu is the full name. Like when your mom or dad uses your first name and your middle name. Mm. Yes. So, so Pazuzu was the demon that possessed uh, the main character in The Exorcist. And just for a quick reference point, Pazuzu in this uh, representation was just, like, pure evil. Mm, Yeah. But Pazuzu is actually the name of a real demon. What? uh, From the, like, Assyrian, Babylonian, Mesopotamia life world and times. (laughs) And so I want to point out one thing. When I say demon, this is used in the sense that that time period used the word demon, which really just meant spirit. 
Oh, interesting. And demons could be good or evil or or both. And Pazuzu was a complicated character. He was uh, known as the king of the demons of the wind because when you lived in any type of ancient civilization, you had to use a lot of prepositions. (laughs) Yeah, king of the demons of the wind, breaker of chains, (laughs) first (laughs) of his name. (laughs) Precisely. (laughs) So he was the... Now, he's not just like, you know, your regular old ancient spirit deity. Like, he is from a royal bloodline. Wow, okay. Royal demon. I did yes. not know that that was a thing. So, he is the son of Hanbai, and I'm just going to go ahead and claim that, again, I'm going to butcher pronunciation. So, Hanbai was the king of the demons of the underworld, because, again, those prepositions matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to understand the importance of that in this time period, all demons were thought to have lived in the underworld. So, like, that would be, like, Jennifer, supreme ruler, queen of all of Earth. Yes. (laughs) Planet Earth. Planet Earth and sometimes the moon, which people don't live on, but people visit, so therefore I get, like, some claim to that. So Fair. So, daddy owned everything. And ruled everything. Uh, his brother uh, was Humbaba. So, did you ever read the Epic of Gilgamesh? I believe at one point in my undergrad career, I was assigned it, but I did not read it. You are a shitty student. Yeah, I know. And now I'm I, a teacher. <laughs> and now some of your students, whether they are current or former, know that you did not do your reading. I will say uh, I did have a year or two of being a bad student in college, but then I shaped up. But apparently apparently not in time for the Epic of Gilgamesh. Emily, protector of bad students. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Humbaba might be familiar to some people. Um, He was the protector of the Cedar Forest in the Epic of Gilgamesh. He also was killed by the heroes in the Epic. So, you know... Boo. Been that good of a protector. But, like, you know, his brother was, like, a little famous, and, like, you know, his dad is, like, basically, you know, president of the world. So those are, like, the Demon Kennedys or something, right? Yes, the Demon Kennedys. Cool. <laughs> Pazuzu controlled the south and the west winds. I mean, I've always said those are the best winds to possess. I mean, really. I mean, when it when it comes to like being a demon and controlling an element, like you you couldn't do really any better than the south and the west winds. It's a cliche for a reason. <laughs> when he controlled these winds, though, um, he was believed to bring famine during the dry season and to bring storms and locusts during the rainy season. And um, they also felt that he could spread sickness and was uh, blamed for typhoid because he controlled these winds. Hmm. So if you ever get, like, I don't know. Typhoid? <laughs> typhoid or, um, I don't, you know what, if you, if you get, like, a little weird bacterial infection because you're, like, swimming in some not okay water... Um, it wasn't the water that did it, or the bacteria. Pazuzu blew some wind near you, and, like, that's how you got that shit. Yep. I mean, the Lord knows that's happened to me. 
germ <laughs> theory is just a thir- theory, am I right? I mean, obviously, and everyone knows that Pazuzu spreads typhoid and mm-hmm. vaccines cause autism. That's uh, a fact. This is they science. Do not. I I can't <laughs> even make a joke about that. It makes me so angry. No, they don't. I know, and now there's measles like popping up everywhere again. Yay. Oh, God damn it. And whooping oh. cough. Whoop, whooping cough has been like gone for so long. <laughs> anyway, whooping cough and autism and typhoid all come from Pazuzu. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know. <sighs> Pazuzu, he's he's a multitasker. So he was considered to be very powerful. And, like, he was, like, a devil. Like, even though he was demon, he was perceived to be, like, pr- like a pretty bad dude. Like, you guys, you're going to fucking go hungry. And then after you're done going hungry and you get some water and, like, things are growing, here's some fucking locusts. And also a storm. Say hi to Dorothy for me. Uh, was Pazuzu around at the French Revolution by any chance? I would say that, um, given the details of the French Revolution, 98% chance he was there. (laughs) You know, those feel like pretty reasonable odds. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, he wasn't exactly benevolent, but he wasn't exactly evil either, because uh, people believe that um, Pazuzu could also protect them, and, um, oftentimes, like, the thinking was, is, like, if they prayed to Pazuzu the right way, instead of using his south and west winds to bring famine and locust and, um, storms and typhoid and autism, uh, what he would instead is protect them, and often- And bring those things to other people. (laughs) There wasn't even, like, a, like, destroy my enemy kind of thing, so. <laughs> nice. So what what it was, it was be, like, what they were doing is, like, this prayer is going to, like, convince Pazuzu to not destroy the world so much and, like, maybe be a little bit more of a bro. Interesting. And uh, what he was commonly called for were a couple things. One was to protect pregnant women. Oh, interesting choice. Okay, all right. Also... Protect children. Mm, yeah, definitely was not around during the French Revolution. Or he was very pissed at those children. And I'm going to go into a little more detail on that one in a minute. But also, they believe that he could be requested to protect them from ghosts and to take away sickness. Okay. Well, Lord knows we all need protection from ghosts. And obviously, the typhoid that he brings with him. Yeah. When he blows his south and west winds all over the place. So this is interesting, the pregnant women, children thing. So there was a, a demon goddess, Lamatsu, and there's two stories or mythologies about her. her. One is that she is his wife, and the second, like, offshoot, because this is ancient civilization mythology people, just like with um, the Greeks and the Romans, like, no one can get their shit together in their story <laughs> straight about who is who and what they did and how they came to be. Like, somebody has, like, six dads. Like, that's how that <laughs> shit happens in this world. So she was either his wife or or was his, like, mortal enemy, his his rival. I mean, um, those in the two demon don't world. need to be mutually exclusive. Right. But it could be both. 
So mm-hmm. there there are, are two different presentations of who she is to him. But basically, she is a demon goddess who is particularly, like, really into eating unborn or newly born babies. Well, they are the tenderest. And, and children in general. So, like, pregnant women were believed to be especially vulnerable to this demon goddess. Mm. And Pazuzu was, like, because, you know, he's from the Kennedy bloodline, would just be able to, you know, thwart all of her attempts should someone pray to Pazuzu in the correct way. Do they tell you what is the correct way to pray to Pazuzu, or do you just have to know it? I guess you just kind of have to know it. Like, I guess, like... You you try one type of prayer, and if, like, you're... Oh, got um, typhoid. <laughs> yeah, you get typhoid, it's like, ah, shit, okay, I gotta try a different way. Or if you're sleeping in the night, and you see, like, a ghost hovering over you, you're like, god damn it, I still did not do this right. You know, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of trial and error, and finally, when they get, like, the right combination of things down, then, you know, it goes into their family secrets book, and it gets passed down generation to generation. Just like cooking. Just like cooking, obviously. But that's basically where, who Pazuzu is, where Pazuzu came from. Now, very different from contemporary representations of Pazuzu, right? Because in The Exorcist, he was evil incarnate. Just always evil. Yeah. But there are some other very interesting... I, th- I find Pazuzu interesting because, not only just because he sh- like shows up in The Exorcist, but he's this would have otherwise been like this obscure mythology lost to time, but actually has enjoyed quite a bit of success and fame in the contemporary world. So, for example, in the show Constantine, Pazuzu shows up and battles Lamatsu. Oh. Hmm. Um, he actually appears on the album cover for uh, the Gorillas' D-Sides and I think in one of the music videos. Interesting. He shows up in the in a graphic novel called The Demon of the uh, of the Eiffel Tower. I don't know where the Eiffel Tower is, but I don't know. I I fear that we won't find a way to relate our stories at all this time, Emily. I know there's no there's just no overlap this time. Nope not not even a tiny detail. Not even one building. Uh, if you've read Cities of the Red Knight by William S. Burroughs. He uh, invokes Pazuzu in the dedication. Huh. Wow. Pazuzu is a character on Devil's Wings, which is a book. Uh, there are a couple of podcasts that talk about them, including um, a really interesting one. Black Tape talks about the a demon board called Zuzu that is supposed to be used to summon him. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. The Simpsons in 2010 for their uh, Treehouse of Horror episode 28 does an exorcist spoof and we see Pazuzu possessing Maggie and Bart. Uh, I just have to pause because you said in 20 teen. <laughs> so, 2017. 17. Okay. 2017. Yes. Sorry. Wow. I don't know. He really has been getting around in modern times. This is just stuff I've been able to dig up or I've known about. So, I mean, yeah, he's all over the place. You know, Mesopotamia is back in the fashion. This reminds me of um, that Neil Gaiman book, American Gods. Have you read that? Yes. And there's a television show. Everybody, please watch it. I have not watched it. But yeah, the premise of that is that like, 
the old gods lose power as people don't worship them. But Pazuzu, you know, is still getting worshipped, so he'd be pretty powerful. Yeah, he said he, you know, he might still actually keep his Kennedy namesake and be, you know, yeah, the full king of the demons of the wind. King of the demons of the wind. <laughs> <laughs> but there is another thing I want to talk about, which is a person whose name is John Alexander Lawson. I do not know that name, but the fact that we have his middle name is making me think he did something bad. Who changed his name uh, in 2002 to Pazuzu Algarad. Okay. So, this Pazuzu, I'm just going to go ahead and cut to what he's famous for, is that he um, was discovered to have killed two people and buried them in his backyard. Oh, no. I mean, I hate to say this because we did say that Pazuzu would be a great name for a pet, but, I mean, if you're willingly changing your name to a demon, maybe that should be an early warning sign. Well, he is a very fascinating um, kind of story here because... So, I'm going to pause with just giving you a little bit of information on where he is. He's in basically Forsyth County near Pofftown. Clemens, North Carolina, for all of you who don't geography North Carolina that well, I lived in Greensboro for a long period of time, and Pofftown was, you know, like a 45-minute drive away. Oh, whoa. And and it depends on what part of Greensboro you're in, because you could get there sometimes even faster. And in fact, I've I've been there. Um, I've also been to Clemens. All both of these places are pretty close to Winston Salem, which I spent a quite a bit of time in. So you know, close to home. Jennifer, are you Pazuzu? I am not Pazuzu. <laughs> so he this is the this is the kind of person he was. So. Uh, he had once told, uh, I wasn't sure if it was a therapist or a psychiatrist, and I'm not sure how this information leaked, mm. but he once told the um, this person that he practiced an ancient Sumerian religion that required animal sacrifices. Oh no, run kitties and puppies! He um, told everybody for a long time that he was a Satanist, but eventually he con- converted to Lucifer whatever, however you say that. Basically, he was a Luciferian? A Luciferian. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a form of theistic Satanism. So, like, Satanists are, like, basically just atheists sticking up their middle fingers to overly conservative formal formal Christianity, it sounds like. Yeah, just, like, do what you want. And theistic Satanism is, like, no, Satan's, like, a, a real thing, a god to be worshipped kind of deal. Mm-hmm. So, he claimed to be of Iraqi descent. Uh-oh, I don't like your use of the word claimed. I think you should just, while I'm talking to you, don't read anything, just Google a picture of him, please. What is his name? Pazuzu. Do, if I just Google Pazuzu, will he show up? No, um, Pazuzu Algarad, and that is spelled A-L-G-A-R-A-D. Oh, good. I just had to put A, and Google's like, is this what you meant? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, um... Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> oh. That's a that's a look. 
<laughs> okay, well, first off, yeah, I'm not digging his face tats. So many face tattoos. And second, you know, I know that you said he claimed to be Iraqi. Yes. Listen, Iraq is a big country. It, I'm sure, has a very diverse population. But on a scale of this person is definitely what I imagine an Iraqi looks like to this person is wider than me, I'm going to go that he's wider than me. <laughs> and he has no family connections whatsoever in his family tree to Iraq at all. It's so a very weird claim to make, my man. Well, he makes a lot of cra- crazy claims. So, for example, he also uh, had reported to tell people that he had a satanic mother that named him after the demon in The Exorcist. But no. we all know that's not true. He legally had his name changed in 2002. Hmm. He was very eccentric. Uh, he had filed his teeth down to a point with a Dremel tool. Oh, that would hurt. And smell um, very bad. Yes. And um, something else that's interesting about him is he was actually convicted for accessory after the fact for the murder of Joseph Joseph Emmerich Chandler, who was found shot dead in a park. And he was convicted, I believe, in 2012 for that. Accessory after the fact? What does that mean? Like he helped hide the body or something? Not really sure. Um... I will tell you that if you try to look for details on the murders for this, there's not a whole lot on the internet in general about it. Hmm. So typically when I see that kind of stuff, it says to me that there are still some sort of pending investigation things going on. Perhaps other people connected to the murders, I don't know. but Yeah, or like a civil suit or something by his family. Something. A victim's family or something. But accessory after the fact, he beat and choked his mother, Cynthia, in 2010, but he wasn't charged for the beating and choking. His poor uh, non-satanic mother. He he has a pretty um, extensive history with what they think is some mental illnesses. Um, he did for a while be- what, uh, become a drug dealer and believed to continue to deal drugs for quite some time. And on October 5th, 2014, the Forsyth County Sheriff's Office found two bodies buried in his backyard. Oh, Ugh, gosh. This is the part where where things get kind of weird. So there's something I forgot to tell you, which is he would wear like a headscarf because the whole claiming he is from Iraqi descent thing. Sure. That's, that's actually the only thing that you need to be of Iraqi descent. Yes. Yes, not actually from Iraq, but we have family from Iraq. Just a headscarf. Exactly. People stop doing crazy shit. Just, yeah. But he also befriended a jihadist on Facebook. That's a thing he did. I want to make a joke, but it just makes me tired. (laughs) I (laughs) I don't like you, man. This is a terrible action. I mean, I'm sure some jihadists have great senses of humor, but... No, we don't need to be doing these things. So he um, he really pulled together this huge like persona and mythology about himself and the community, and people that lived around him were truly afraid of him. He also was reported to smell really bad. Oh, 
Just like a French peasant from the quasi-ancient times. <laughs> I don't know how many teeth he had, so... Well, but, yes. but we do know they were sharp. People who uh, talk to the media about him would say that he smelled bad, and also people who have visited him or lived around him would talk about how his house smells bad. That's also uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Uh, that's one thing that his victims who didn't die said that he smelled really bad. Like, he, like, never brushed his teeth, and his teeth were just, like, rotting in his head. Oh, that just makes my mouth hurt. It is, that is one of the creepiest details I have ever heard about a real-life person. Like, that is a level of strange psychosis that you're like, I'm just gonna let my teeth rot in my head until I smell disgusting. But then also, how are you just, like, how do you cope with that level, I don't know, that level of pain would just be... I mean, I'm guessing that you you are living in not the same world as the rest of us. Probably not. Or you are a French peasant in the French Revolution, and you're like, listen, I know my mouth is full of stink lines and sharp shards of pain, but at least my head hasn't been cut off yet. Oh, wait. <laughs> here it comes. Well, now the worst is going to happen to me. I've lived a full life. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived a full life. I, You know, I kept most of my teeth until my ripe old age of 33. And I did get some pretty good bread. Yeah, I mean, it's true. You just ate bread. That's the only thing you could afford. So when the sheriff's office discovered these bodies, it really discovered two different horrors. One were two dead people buried in a backyard. And what's interesting about this is that there's no real... There's no real reason why he killed these people. They felt like it was a murder a little bit for a murder's sake. Oh, man. And the deaths are super uninteresting. You know, it was just, it was just murder. And actually, his, murder. <laughs> um, his girlfriend was also arrested and charged for the murder and bur- uh, burial of these two men as well. So it was like a couple's bonding experience or something. His mother, by the way, who is blind, also lives in the house with them. And oh, she. Oh, no. Yeah. Here is. Well, here's where things are weird. Um, so, the horror of finding these two people that had been murdered and buried in the backyard. But the second horror, besides the fact that Pazuzu is who Pazuzu is, is the home. The front door of the house is painted black and it is decorated with like upside down crosses and um, has House of the Devils written in Arabic apparently and um, has like all these other like evil looking like symbols and things affixed to the front door. And then also on the door there is a sign that basically is just like this um, manifesto of like I won't, we don't accept basically saying we don't accept visitation from the police but it's talking about like we don't accept visitation from people who bully and harm others through the use of the power of a badge and that kind of thing huh okay that's a really ambitious home improvement project (laughs) right i'm not sure if it really adds a whole lot of curb appeal but yeah yeah i'm I'm not getting a resale value out of this one that's that's just the front of the house. Now, I am going to say that there's video of this, of what the house actually looks like, um, because the police department to take video as they were, you know, because that's what they do when there's a murder situation. Right. 
The evidence videos or whatever? Yes. I'm going to describe what I saw in the video, but I encourage everyone to watch this video because even if I were the most descriptive person in the world, it's just really not going to capture what this place looked like. Oh my goodness. So, as you walk in, all over the walls, there's just like, they're just spray painted with different like symbols and like some of it's just like just like um short manifestos and like pentagrams and like all kinds of sat- satanic stuff and like weird like sim- like uh you know occult things are supposed to mean things wait i'm sorry did you say this was spray painted spray painted oh okay it's already given off a no thank you vibe all over the house the place is utterly trashed oh my gosh I mean, there's literally garbage, feces, and animal carcasses all over the floors. <laughs> you said poop. I did. And the and specific, particularly in the hallway, um, it's just it's disgusting. There is one uh, part of the video where, if you look, there is like a cage that has been like dilapidated, but there is also like a carcass in there that had rotted quite a bit. Oh no. Yeah. Um. Oh, so he would no way this smelled okay. Keep in mind his blind mother who has nothing to do with murdering people is just like a lives with this person oh, uh, is mother. living in this house. Yes. So animal animal bodies everywhere, shit everywhere, trash everywhere. There's graffiti all over the walls. There's like on one of the doors there's just like this long diatribe written down the wall with like the kind of thing that you would think someone who is very mentally ill and distressed would kind of write. Oh my goodness. There is, uh, like, most of the rooms are unusable. Um, There's trash everywhere. The bathroom just, like, has shit everywhere. There's one room that's actually clean, and I think that it is, it's the mom's room. There is one part of the video that I just find just amazing is they turn the camera, and as they turn the camera... The floor is covered from wall to wall in trash, but then it is deep in trash. Like, you could go swimming in it. Oh, no. And it's just a whole room of garbage. And it's it's insane. Like, the there, his girlfriend, his mother, and him had been living like this for so long. But then also, people would go over to that house and, like, hang out. And apparently that's, I think... Like, these people got lured over to the house as well to hang out, (laughs) to drink beer. (laughs) One, this person has a girlfriend. And two, what person is like, hey, you want to hang out tonight? Yeah, let's go chill at Pazuzu's. Yeah, his house is rad. What? Have you ever watched, like, any of those um, documentaries or, like, really exploitive um, reality TV shows about hoarders? Yeah, it did sound kind of like hoarders, but at least some of the hoarders, it's like, I saw one where it was like a room of like paperbacks, like you could wade knee deep into these like paperbacks, like, and they would be like, have you read all of these? And the person was like, I don't think I've read any of them. And like, that was crazy and upsetting and weird. And they weren't even like trashy romance novels or interesting paperbacks. They were literally just paperback. Whatever they could get their hands on. Uh, Yeah, but like, at least that is a a thing. It's not just like amorphous trash. Like, 
what even is that stuff? I feel like he's someone who is, again, is very disconnected with reality. And, like, yeah. I just can't imagine living like that. And, gosh, you, I, I really need to, I need you to watch this video. But he's not living like a king of the demons. Of the wind. Of the wind or whatever would be living. That's from a Kennedy demon bloodline. Yeah, this is, the real Pazuzu is like, ugh, you are bringing shame to my name. Yes, and it's insane, like, and you know what's crazy to me is just, like, how how does his mom not know what's going on? Like, how, I mean, she must have known. I mean, he did physically harm her, but, like... Yeah, I mean, just, like... I wonder if she had any sense of, like, how out of control, like, his mental dysfunction had gone before he I, did eventually end up murdering people. I mean, I would feel like it would have to be some sort of, like, Stockholm Syndrome or, like... You know, if he's abusive to her, just this idea that, like, you you just, like, construct a reality that you try to stay safe in. You're not, you're not like, living in the same world as us because this person has, like, so controlled you and stuff. Well, you know, what's crazy, too, is, like, you know, he had apparently bragged about killing someone and burying them in his backyard. And then at some point, finally, his mother even told the sheriff's office that like uh in like november before the police finally came to the house that he had killed somebody so like she knew yikes yeah i feel like the real terror is that poor mother of human pazuzu and what was so um was weird is like they did at some point the county uh the sheriff's county office did show up there with like cadaver dogs but they didn't find any evidence of everything but then eventually they got for some reason, they were able to get a second search warrant. So it's curious because, like, yeah. I guess his mom didn't own that house, or maybe she did, but, like, they had to get a search warrant to search the house, and that's when they found all the things. Huh. But it's such a it's such a weird murder. It's such a weird murder case um, because there's not, like, any real reason to have killed these people. Yeah. But they at some point, I guess some of the bodies had been partially dismembered as well yikes and of course like his his i'm sorry it's just like i'm trying to think about this like his mom his mom had to have been there during the murder or at least like showed up shortly after yeah but like but basically it was just like there was a they were partying at the house and these guys ended up dead so there's just it's just so everything about this is so strange that people would go and hang out at his house like either this idea of you're like oh it's weird but whatever or you're actively enjoying the fucking insanity but it does seem like one of those things where it's like I don't know like if something is weird you should get out of that situation you know what I mean like I I don't know. The whole idea of a house drowning in garbage that people were hanging out in and justifying to themselves or they were like, yeah, I also want to live in a house of garbage. It's weird. Yeah, it's it's crazy. <laughs> I don't even know what else to say about this. This is just like, this is strange. <laughs> it's it's all very uncomfortable, right? It's very yeah, uncomfortable. It's so weird. I think that they were shot with a twenty-two. 
it's not clear to me uh, if that was a weapon that they currently had, but it may have been... Oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a weapon that he had in the house, and he told somebody else who was charged uh, for murder, because three people were charged in this, where to get the gun. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was just like, it was just so like, I'm going to kill this person. And then, you know, Pazuzu was like, well, here's where my gun is. And then there was like, boom, boom. Hmm. There were actual gunshots. People heard it, but they didn't really know what to make of it. So, because like, there was a, somebody, I can't remember if it was a neighbor or something, but they heard like a gunshot while they were getting dressed for work. I think it might have been his mom. What? It yeah. was even in the morning? It's not clear to me because, again, some of the details aren't available. Yeah. I was going to say, if it's like 8 in the morning, there's something about that that makes it even creepier. That it's not like, we stayed up all night doing drugs and then I murdered someone. It was like, yeah, it's 8 in the morning. Let's do some murder. It's a a very intense way to start the day. (laughs) Right? It's like, well, I'm starting it off good. I'm going to kill somebody. But then, like, so something else that I is interesting about this story is that on three it was around 3 a.m in raleigh they people working in the prison found pazuzu dead he's he's dead now he's dead oh there was a wound in in his arm in his arm in his arm and this was in 2015 interesting there's a wound in his arm and basically at this point they think that it was it was a suicide. Huh. So, another thing is that this house is, it's a Knob Hill. That everybody knows as the Knob Hill home. There's an address. It's for, the address is very public. Huh. Eventually, the home was deemed uninhabitable by Forsyth County. Yeah, no shit. And they demolished it, and the lot went up for sale. Now, I did some internetting. You interneted? You did one internet. I did an internet, and it looks like that the lot is no longer a lot. There might actually be a house sitting on it now, but I'm not 100% sure. It's really hard to tell because you got, like, Google Maps and Zillow and... Well, I hope that the people who live there now know how to pray to Pazuzu so they get, like, healthy children and not typhoid. Yes, but the correct Original, Pazuzu. yeah, the original Pazuzu. The OG. Yeah, demon Pazuzu, not human who thinks he's a demon Pazuzu. So that is Pazuzu in a nutshell. Damn, Lots that was of Pazuzu. a wild ride. <laughs> that was a Pazuzu Palooza. It was a Pazuzu Palooza. <laughs> I want to send you this video. I want to chop my dog in half. He's being so bad right now and strange and intense. Because if you, if you, if the face tattoos weren't enough for you. The photos, like, it looks kind of like a teenager's bedroom who's a real shithead. It's like spray paint and like stickers. Okay. Oh my god. The oven is like. I've never seen anything so gross. Yeah, there's just trash everywhere. That stuff that's like laying out of the floors from underneath the cabinets, they they didn't do that. It was just like that. There's the uh there's like one room that's literally just trash. Like I'm trying to Oh my god. So what was we'll see what I was talking about from wall to wall and deep. It's just it garbage. It looks like it's like 3 feet deep and I'm trying to see if there's 
like a brown paper bag is maybe the most identifiable object I can see. It's just brown and gray. Oh my God. This is, yeah, this is like a house that if you were going here to party, you should leave right away. Nothing good happens in this kind of house. Nothing good happens in this kind of, oh my God, this is just, Listen, if you're ever having a bad time of life and your house is dirty, you need to find this and then you will stop beating yourself up because you are not as disgusting as the fake Pazuzu. (laughs) Well, Emily, what do you think that you felt like you learned today? I learned fucking nothing today. Uh, (laughs) No, um, I mean... I think I'm su- I'm not surprised, but I did learn that there's far more chaos and it's a little bit harder to make jokes about chaos, but uh, yeah, it's weird. Also, I didn't know anything about the demon Pazuzu or the human Pazuzu, and both are pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> I just, um... Did you learn anything? Well, I learned that People are really into chaining people together, making bad jokes about it, and then drowning them. Ugh, yeah. Um, throughout history, apparently. Yeah. And, a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also learned that my house is very clean. Yeah, it does make you feel a little good. Um, although I definitely feel like I need to go, like, take a bath and lay some, like prophylactic bug traps just after looking at that those pictures literally need to wash your eyeballs (laughs) yeah i do i do oh but watch the video it's just um yeah well what you see in the pictures is just not even close to what the video actually shows yeah and for those of you who are listening and want to experience this feeling of just like what literally even uh we will include a link uh where show notes always appear so and you can watch a video and cry too yep all things terror helping you (laughs) cry along with everyone else All Things Terror is researched, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint, who may be guillotined one of these days. Theme music by Cosimo Fogg. You can contact us at All Things Terror Podcast on Instagram and All Things Terror on Twitter or Gmail. Hashtag Turd Queen and Pazuzu. Coming to an arena near you. See you next time.